Welcome to Inspired Surfers on Wavelength Community Radio in partnership with Jimmy's Iced Coffee. In this episode, Jim is in conversation with lifelong waterwoman Belinda Bags, who is best known for her graceful longboard style and her commitment to raise awareness around climate change. And we're on. No doubt we've just had the most wonderful little theme tune music. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Belinda Bags in the house. How are you? Where are you? What time is it? And what are you doing? <laughs> I am excellent. Thanks for having me on. Um, <laughs> it is 7.10pm on Thursday evening. I am in Aries Inlet, Australia, on beautiful Wadarung country, and I um, unfortunately didn't surf today because it's howling onshore in the middle of winter, so mm-hmm. I'm full of beans and ready to chat. And <laughs> <laughs> not absolutely exhausted from surfing like four hours straight, which you'd normally do, I'm guessing. Uh Yeah. Pretty much. I usually break that into two sessions, though, in, in wintertime because my fingers go numb. So um, two two-hour sessions in winter. That's cool. Talk, talk to me about wetsuit needs in winter over in Oz. What are, you, are you doing gloves and boots and hoods and five threes, six fours? What are you in? Uh, well, I'm down in Victoria, which is one of the coldest areas in Australia to surf. Um, the water's about 11 degrees at the moment, which... For most people in the UK, it's probably really lovely, but for us Aussies, that's absolutely <laughs> freezing. <laughs> um, so I'm currently in a Patagonia R3, which I think is about the equivalent of a 4.3. Um, yep. When I can manage booties, I put them on because my feet go numb, but I absolutely hate them and always in a hood, never in gloves. Oh, cool. Okay, so yeah, it's you'll know when it's super cold because you actually do need gloves. So come come winter time here if you haven't got gloves on. I mean, you only need like one or two mil, so you you've still got that dexterity, as it were. Um, but um, yeah, getting away with without gloves and occasionally boots is quite nice. Is is that a, is that is is the boots thing just because they're annoying or because you can't really feel the board underfoot? Uh can't feel my board very well underfoot. Yeah, especially yeah. I find when I shortboard, uh, I'm totally fine to wear them. But when I'm longboarding, mm-hmm. they're a real hindrance. Yeah, I guess with longboarding, you're 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 literally walking around, whereas on shortboarding, you're kind of planted and and that's it. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with that. Um, and longboarding, maybe it's just because I'm a little better at it than I am when I'm on a shortboard. But you're really sensitive of like every tiny little. Um, sensation that sort of says, you know, nose right here, pedal back here, whereas on a shortboard, like you said, you're planted. And um, I'm sure a more accomplished shortboarder would probably argue different than me. But for me, as soon as I get my feet in the right spot, that's it. <laughs> then, then you're in and you're yeah. on. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and what's 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 brought you to, uh, how did you pronounce it, the Aries Inlet? Aries Inlet. Um, it's about Aries 20 Inlet. minutes from Torquay. So okay. I'm originally from Newcastle, which is up closer on the east coast near Sydney. Um, yeah. About 11-hour drive from here. And currently not somewhere I can visit because of COVID state border lockdowns um, that we're still experiencing mm-hmm. here in Australia. But um, I got a job with Patagonia, who have their headquarters down in Torquay. And... Uh, 
very happily moved down to to live in this area. I've instantly fell in love with it. I have a heap of amazing friends here as well as just really love the variety in surf. I found that Mm -hmm. on any given day I could surf, you know, two-foot peelers on my log, go and get smashed on a little slab body surfing or, you know, head around the Cape and be as scared as I could ever imagine being in open ocean swells. So (laughs) everything's on offer. That's cool. And what's the closest, what's the break that's closest to you and what's that like? Uh, The break that's closest to me is a little point. Um, It's a little bit fickle. Uh, Not an amazing longboard wave, but you can longboard it when the sand's right. But I usually end Mm -hmm. up riding my mid-length out there, which is pretty fun. Not a bad wave and to it, have in, not a bad wave to have a couple blocks from your house. Um, and I guess the, the, the wave that everybody would probably know the most that's close by is Bells Beach, which is about 20 minutes drive. Lovely. And then you've got is it wink is it Winky Pop? Yeah, Winky Pop. That? Yeah, Winky Pop's just right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, is, that's that's a similar setup to Bell's, isn't it? Is that another right-hand point? Is that how that works? It is another right-hand point. Uh, I would arguably say that it's probably a bit better than Bell's. Um, political. I'm very political. <laughs> and I also have a love-hate relationship with the wave because it's very crowded. So I love the wave, but I hate fighting the crowd. Yes, and Aussie crowds aren't an easy crowd to be um, messing around with, I imagine. No, there's definitely a lot of competition out there and uh, not many people giving waves away. Yeah, I can. I've, uh, I have experienced that and I'm, I'm just not one of those kind of like, I'm not going to go and elbow my way into a lineup. I'll probably just sit and be like, mm, yeah, I might just hang out here, way over here for a little bit longer until it goes dark and then probably get eaten by a shark. So um, yeah, not the, not, not the best for me, really. Um, if you did that out at Winky or Bells, you might not get a wave, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a chance. Yeah. And so how was um how was New like New South Wales? Uh I grew up in Newcastle, so um like I mentioned earlier it's about 2 hours from Sydney. Uh really amazing beach break waves. Definitely mm-hmm. cops a fair bit of swell, a lot warmer than here, so um adjusting to the cold water temperatures. And yeah, my whole family is there, so I definitely miss it at times and still call that area home. Yeah. And you got you got into longboarding over shortboarding in the beginning, didn't you? Yeah, my dad's a longboarder. So I always kind of grew up riding both. Like I always had a shortboard in my quiver and a longboard in my quiver, but I met a lot of really good mates through the local longboard clubs. So um just sort of followed that path more so, I think, just because it was sort mm-hmm. of this fun family environment. We'd all go go away on the weekends and do like little competitions and just really learn a lot off my longboarding friends as far as like, you know, their style and like obviously how to better my own surfing as well. And then I had an opportunity to travel to California uh, back in 2000 and learnt how to ride a single fin longboard for the first time because prior to 2000 there wasn't really any modern single fin longboards in Australia it was kind of either the more performance orientated like tri-fin longboards or um 
like the you know 1960s longboards so California was my first kind of um, eye-opening experience and falling in love with what a what a traditional single fin thing single fin log was like um, and then I spent the next do, like do you remember that as a do you remember that as a as a thing was there a kind of picture postcard moment of wow this is this is on yeah <laughs> I remember actually being at Malibu and watching the locals there surfing and just watching them like really lock into these long walls and get these really long nose rides but the the look on their faces after they'd kick out of those waves <laughs> was just incredible and I was like all right they're tapping into some secret of surfing that I'm yet to experience and I need to experience that and so I dedicated the next whole summer uh, at Malibu riding a log trying to learn what that feeling was <laughs> that sounds amazing how, how, what was the lead to get you to Cali? Uh, I had an opportunity to go there and do um, a longboard comp. And so oh, um, right. I've always, I guess, looked at competition as a way to get to travel. So mm -hmm. <laughs> took took that up and, um, yeah, like just really fell in love. It fell in love with logging and, and couch surfed for a bit and dedicated as much time to it as I possibly could. Amazing. The difference between longboard competition versus shortboard competition, I guess, just from my own perspective, I can imagine it being a lot more relaxed and there's not many mind games being played and it being real kind of, I don't know, not necessarily aggressive, but like hyper competition is seems to be around the shortboard industry. And the longboard thing is kind of like, well, let's just go and have some fun and whoever wins is the winner. Yeah, does I'd that, say that I'd, I'd say I definitely agree with you. It's definitely um, much more relaxed and probably like fun orientated than a lot of shortboard competitions that I've been around. Um, in saying that, though, I still really hated competing against my friends. And there is that element of, you know, who's on the inside and, and stuff like that. And so I think that was a little bit of a deterrent for me personally to stop competing. Yeah. So that so you're you're not doing any any more competitions now? No, I haven't competed in years. Um, I've been in a couple of like fun local events uh, for, that were raising money for charity, but nothing serious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. And you're now back here, and you're working with with Patagonia. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I work. Um, have a bit of an odd title with Patagonia. I'm a global surf activist for Patagonia, which is um. I guess a place where my surfing intersects with a lot of their environmental campaigns and also allows me time to work on uh, environmental passion projects that Patagonia can't necessarily cover as a company, just obviously with, you know, limited bandwidth. So I can jump on board and um, help out in any way that I can. Would that almost be like a satellite campaigner while they've got their own major things off? You, you, you guys. I guess there's there might be a few of you. Is that right? Yeah, there's. Uh, I'm not sure how many um, internationally, but there's definitely like three or four of us here in Australia. So um, amazing. Yeah, and we so all you'll, like you'll find projects that you want to back, and you'll go about your own way in terms of trying to raise awareness and and fight whatever 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 you need to fight really. Yeah, exactly. And most of those issues that you know, us surfers are passionate about 
surround water, whether that be ocean or fresh water. And so um, a lot of that sort of surrounding just getting the surf community on board. Um, it sounds pretty glamorous, but I spent a lot of time behind the computer these days. I guess you've got to do your homework, haven't you? Because if someone says, well, you know, can you give us some data? You actually, re- you really need to prove exactly what's going on, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, Patagonia has a great network that definitely supports us. And with this free time, I've also started my own non-for-profit, uh, which has been a heap of work, but a very rewarding experience. It's called Surface for Climate. Yeah. Could you could you tell us a little bit more about that, please? Yeah. So, um The idea was sparked from the fight for the bite. Uh, If anyone, international viewers, aren't aware, it was a a campaign that happened about two years ago now uh, where they were trying to drill for oil in the Great Australian Bight and the spill modelling, if something did go wrong, saw oil on beaches from, you know, Port Macquarie, which is four hours north of Sydney, all the way across Tasmania, west coast of New Zealand, and all the way up around the south uh, to Albany over in Western Australia. It was a really hugely risky project. Um, That's over half the coastline, easily. Yes, it's the majority of Australia's surfing coast, surfable coastline. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So as you can imagine, like surfers were pretty, you know, infuriated and outraged by the spill modelling in itself. So, um, you know, almost every surfer in the country was was called to action by that spill modelling. Uh, and, and in the modelling, what was the percentage chance of there being an, being an, uh, a, an oil spill? Uh, I'm not exactly sure on that stat. I don't, th- not, yeah, I'm not exactly sure, but I know that um, with the depths that the they were drilling, which was like, thousands of feet into the ocean thousands of feet through water and then more like another couple of couple of kilometers under the sea floor uh on a floating well which is you know um hasn't been used a lot has been used but not not a lot and in the most treacherous stretch of ocean in the world like (laughs) (laughs) in the path of the roaring 40s so and and not to mention that the reason the spill modeling was so bad is because a lot of that coastline is really high inaccessible sea cliffs so yes the idea of getting you know boats in there to clean up the spill is just like difficult in itself which is why it was just gonna go everywhere um, and yep. the license is still up for grabs, but Equinor, which was the Norwegian company that was going to drill there, uh, pulled out, which is fantastic. So it was a huge, huge victory. Um, and that, yeah, the, that, I guess, momentum and enthusiasm from the surf community showed me that, you know, everybody is so passionately connected to the ocean um, and we're yep. all willing to stand up and fight for the one thing that we love the most and Mm -hmm. climate change is is one of the biggest threats to our to a healthy ocean at the moment and so that's sort of why we formed surface for climate which was sort of to act as a um you know a real like point where surfers could get involved in the in the climate conversation and and be part of the solution that's amazing the the fight for the bite. Could you could you kind of elaborate? I mean, the reason why I ask is because here in the UK, 
like the whole single use plastics thing and um, the amount of litter and rubbish that's left on the beach is a complete joke. Um, and you've got the surface against sewage guys over here who are doing an, a, you know, a, a monumental effort at raising awareness and also trying to stop sewage spills from uh, our local water companies and things like that. What have you found as kind of successful techniques for rallying troops to get, you know, to get to, to spread awareness? So, so for the likes of that Norwegian company to actually go, do you know what we're backing down? What, what are the, what are the key? I don't know as many as you can list or as, or, or as, or as little as you can list that, you know, the key ones that really made them go actually, yeah, this is completely wrong. Um, well, firstly, I'm a super fan of surfers against sewage. I think those guys are absolutely Woo! incredible. <laughs> um, I'd say the key in the fight for the bite was, uh, a few elements, which was the mass amount of community opposition. So it wasn't just a few small communities standing up. It was literally, almost every marine user in the whole country, which if you've okay. been to Australia, a high population of our, a, a high percentage of our population is, you know, surfers, swimmers, beach users, um, and everybody was was kind of standing up and taking action. Um, mm -hmm. So that would be like one key thing was just the sheer number of people who gave a shit. Um, and we're willing and that, to do was something that spread about around it. By people just, was that people just talking about on, on social media? Would that be going to a beach with a clipboard, getting people to sign stuff? How, how did that look? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess ultimately it probably the biggest force was social media, spreading it around. But um, as we started to do paddle outs, which was super powerful because we had thousands and thousands yeah. of people turning up to these national days of action in multiple locations across the country, the mainstream yeah. media got a hold of it. Um, the photos in themselves of like thousands of people out in the water cheering and splashing um, was like a really big draw card to get media to cover the issue. And then, of course, I guess you're right as a, as a photographic oh, thing. If you're going to be yeah. shooting that with a drone, <laughs> that that that's a really good way of making noise is, sh is showing something like that. Yeah, completely. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, on the 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 other end of the spectrum, we had our friends over in Norway. Um, turn up to the Equinor AGM and really put pressure okay. on the company as well. So I'd say like both of those elements um, were the two two main factors that really helped. Wow. And then as an as an announcement, did you just did you get an email? Did you see it on TV? Like and, and then what was your reaction? Oh a friend called was funny as I was in the Great Australian Bite surfing um, about I don't know a couple of weeks before and I remember as we were leaving, I caught, you know, my last wave and I was getting all like sad because we were going and I turned around and looked and I thought, oh, next time I'm back down here, I'm probably going to be like chaining myself to some sort of exploration vessel <laughs> trying to stop <laughs> this from happening and end up in jail. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and like literally two weeks later, a mate called me and was like, hey, did you just hear the news? Like, Equinor pulled out. I was just like, what? Like, it was unbelievable. I spent the next 30 yeah. minutes on the computer, like, really researching, making sure that it was true before I got too excited. But yeah, we'd actually done it, which was great. That's, that's so, so cool because it, it just shows that it can happen because there are so many, like, not failure stories, but just where everyone's campaigning and nothing seems to nothing seems to happen so you know when you hear a good news story like that especially when it comes to oil because these companies have so much money and it's so ludicrous how big these these guys are so to be able to get them to turn around and go 
actually, you're you're right. Let's not do this. Let's go and drill elsewhere. Um, you know, it's not going to have anywhere near as an impact. Well, hopefully, um, that's that's a that's a great thing. And the people listening out there now will hopefully you know want to keep campaigning and keep saving the oceans and fighting for climate and stuff like that because we now know that it it really does work. Yeah, completely works. Um, and I'm a huge believer of like taking care of your own backyard. So hopefully now we have this very powerful model, we can use it in future fights because we know this one worked. So, yeah. And your surface for climate, if people want to get involved, how do they do that? Uh, so we're on Instagram, which is just at surface for climate. And we also have a website up and going. There's a little um, join us button where you can sign up to become a member and we just mm-hmm. keep you updated about, um, you know, all the all the latest in, in climate info. We try and break down the science so it's not something that's super confusing and also relate that to how that's going to be affecting our waves and our breaks and all the things that surfers cherish so much. Uh, mm-hmm. And we are also... Um, a lot of our campaigns are probably focused a little bit more here in Australia at the moment because we just haven't really grown yet to an international organisation. But um, mm-hmm. we also have a couple of solutions up there. We're actually now fighting some massive gas companies in the Otway Basin, which is near Joanna Beach, um, trying to stop that and working on a pretty fun election campaign and something that might be really of interest for a lot of international surfers is a wipe out your emissions guide where we can you can kind of look at um, your own carbon footprint and we've kind of dove into surf specific things as well. Wow. Okay. So wipe out. Okay. So just going, let's just jump straight into that now, the wipe out your emissions thing. So you, you, you'd just kind of punch in what you, what, what your life looks like in terms of a carbon footprint kind of point of view. Is yeah. That right? At and the then... moment, we've just got a calculator that bounces back to somebody else's site because we haven't got the tech for that at the moment. Okay, <laughs> um, yeah. But there's a list up there uh, of all things to consider when making choices. So it's everyday things that affect every human um it can be from you know where you purchase your power from whether you got solar on your rooftop where your money's invested so the banking institutions that you choose all the way down to what wax you're using on your surfboard what wetsuit you're choosing to purchase how you're mm-hmm. getting to the beach where how far you're traveling to go to the beach um so a lot of different things Wow, that's cool. Okay, there's there's quite a few things we that we're I'm writing down now. So, surface for climate is one to join. Wipe out your emissions. And it, what's the website for that? Uh, it's just on our surface for climate website. Oh, cool. So yep. that's just like a kind of byproduct of that. Okay, yep, amazing. Exactly. And then a little bit uh, more on the Otway Basin, if you don't mind, because I know we we had a quick chat in the green room. Um, excuse the pun <laughs> um, <laughs> about about that. So yeah, and I've obviously been to. That that beautiful Johanna Beach, which is just you know one one of the most stunning places on earth. And so, what what are they what are they trying to do there exactly? Uh, so there's just been a whole heap of pr- 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 sorry, I'll start that again. There's just been a whole <laughs> <laughs> there's just been a whole heap of approvals uh, for new gas acreage out in the offshore waters off the Otway Basin. Um, so it's seven new areas federally and five new areas in state waters, which is a little bit closer in. 
Um, mm-hmm. One of the state water areas just got approvals for a uh, gas pipeline to go under the Twelve Apostles Marine Park, which is wow. an iconic <laughs> landmark here in Australia. Un- <laughs> um, unreal. It's just absolutely insane. And so um, we're just trying to do all that we can to, to sort of stop any new oil and gas exploration from happening. We were in the, there was a seismic boat going out to do some seismic testing and we were in the the port the other day protesting in front of the ship on our surfboards with massive signs. Um, this I, was on your Instagram feed, is that right? Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did look at that. I was like, wow, that, that's quite close and fairly brave. Good on you. <laughs> Well, I mean, we've exhausted all the formal channels of communication, like written into the regulator environment plans. We've written letters to the companies. We've contacted our local MPs um, and all of our efforts have kind of gone unanswered or unheard. And so that was a bit of a last ditch effort at trying to get some attention on this and, and trying to get it stopped Unfortunately, the ship ended up leaving. Um, it's out there right now, probably pre- preparing to blast away at our C4. Wow. Okay. Well, if there's, if there's anything we can do from our end, signatures or likewise or spreading stuff, then we can, um, I guess, we'll, we can do that via, again, Surface for Climate. Yeah, there's a petition up on, on Surface. Well? Yeah, there's a petition up for, on Surface for Climate webpage. Okay, that's cool. With your job for Patagonia, this is a full-time thing for you, is that right? It is, yeah, full-time. And I think I probably dedicate more time to it because <laughs> I'm actually so passionate and just like, you know, any hour of the night if someone emails me, I'm like, yep, I'm on it. Like, got to try and stop that or <laughs> got to try and help that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of those jobs where it's not like, oh, I didn't meet my target today, so I'm not going to get my bonus. It's, it's, it's slightly different, isn't it? <laughs> yep. Yeah, and it definitely comes in, um, you know, ebbs and flows where at some point I'm super busy. Other times, like, I'll, I'll uh, put things on the back burner and go surfing when it's offshore. So um, try well, and make sure priorities cool. are lined up. But <laughs> And speaking of priorities, you've got uh, you've got kids, one kid, two kids, three kids, four? Just one. Um, I have an awesome 10-year-old boy. His name's Rayson. And he's probably Rayson, the reason, cool. yeah, he's probably the reason why I'm so passionate about a lot of this this um, environmental stuff and obviously climate as well. I just want to leave him with the most thriving chance at a future as I possibly can and climate change is such a threat to that. And so I try and dedicate a lot of my time to helping Helping that. Yeah, I, I hear you. I've got uh, number three on the way on predicted to be the 15th of September and I've got an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. And, oh, wow. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and we've, we were, I mean, we were really thinking about the third because of essentially the, the state of the planet. And you're kind of thinking, well, you know, it's, it's great for our grandparents, great for our parents. It's not very good for us right now. Um, and what's it going to be like? for my genuinely my children's children they they are they, you know that's going to be like 40 50 years time um what that what's that going to be like and what are they going to be fighting for or will we have done enough to steer the ship and actually make it um a lot better and easier and manageable and um 
So I think like, I mean, one of our kind of efforts, at our work that we have through our iced coffee company is um, we have a thing called the KYCU Academy, which is the Keep Your Chin Up Academy. And it's about using positivity as a, as a, as a tool um, for success. And we believe that young people have, they are basically going to be responsible for everything later on. And so you've got to give them, you've got to equip them with the most amazing toolkit. And if positivity is in that toolkit, then that's going to help them, you know, think positively about all of these things that we need to change. So um, it's really interesting when kids come into the mix or young people come into the mix, because you really go, right, you've got the whole world is now going to be on your shoulders. And I'm sorry, we've done so much damage, but we're going to try and help you um, kind of prepare for how we can solve, solve it all which is quite amazing. Absolutely. And I think positivity is definitely the key to this. And, you know, one thing that we have to keep remembering is that all the solutions to this climate crisis already exist. It's just a matter of implementing them, which is obviously the hard work, but like it can be done. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Oh, it's, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, um, Belinda. Thank you so much for your info and and kind of help today it's been it's been lovely to hear about it and um i guess with all of the problems that we've got here on our shores we can apply you know the similar kind of routes to um campaigning and awareness and stuff so that's that's really really cool and it's great to hear about your your life and your longboarding career and well done in what you've done you you seem like you've uh you, it's a good life life box ticked in your in your in your life Ah, uh, thanks. I still think of myself as a grom, so trying to learn all I possibly can from everybody I possibly can. So it's it's great to to have you guys over in the UK to look up to. Yeah, no, it, it's awesome. I think grom mentality is totally. I still feel twelve years old, and it's amazing. <laughs> yep. It's the best. Still got loads loads of stuff to learn. Still very childish, and I think that's the way most people need to be. Yeah, and and enjoying all kinds of waves, even the onshore ones. <laughs> Yeah, which which we get on a daily basis. <laughs> so yeah, if if you're ever if you're ever over this way, come to the south coast or head west, and I'll meet you with the wavelength crew, uh, and it'd be great to go for a wave. Awesome, I'd love it. Every time I come to the UK, I have an absolute blast, and uh, my family heritage is actually from Cornwall as well. So oh, cool! Um, definitely going to do another trip over there sometime soon and try and explore that a little more. Okay, and just just quickly before we before we go, if you've got your three favorite waves on Earth, where are you going to go? <sighs> There's so many to narrow it down to I just know. three. That's uh, why it's such a good question. Macaronis <laughs> in Indonesia in the Mentawais, um, definitely my number one. I'm a goofy footer, so nothing beats that wave. Um, but which one was that? You just broke there. Sorry. Uh, um, macaronis in the mental eyes in Indonesia. I'm a goofy oh. footer, so nothing beats that wave. That's number one, okay. hands down. Yeah. Um, number two would be noosa heads, I think, as a yeah. longboarder. Um, and number three is oh, you're really putting me on the spot here to pick a number three. Um, telescopes. Also oh, in where's that? It's also in the mental okay. eyes. Yep. Right on. Okay. Also a left-hander. <laughs> okay, that's good because I'm goofy foot too and I'm trying to plan a trip over that way and I'm just wondering whether to do a boat trip or go or stay on a stay on a resort. What would be your preference? Mm. Depending on how you were doing it, I would say um, 
a resort if you wanted to surf and then maybe relax in the afternoon. I've got some mm-hmm. really good mates that own a place um, at Togart Noosa, which is um, in the in the telescope zone. Um, okay. I can, I can line you up with them if you want. Um, yeah, an intro would be great. Yeah, I can do that for sure. Um, but if you were just purely wanting to surf your brains out two to three times a day, all day, every day, and then pass out afterwards, then I'd say that a boat trip is probably a better option for scoring the one. maximum waves. Yeah. Okay. Just because I've noticed cool. I've spent quite a bit of time over there and I've noticed that um, I've gotten like bad luck sometimes with winds. And if mm-hmm. you are on a land camp and the southerlies are blowing and you're There's nothing near you right-handers, do. it's probably going to be onshore. <laughs> Yeah. So, and vice versa, if the normalies are blowing, you want to be in a different zone. So that's why a boat's kind of good for that. Good. These, these are these are good tips. Thank you very much. No um, worries. Amazing. Also, okay. Also, cons- consider Sumba as well. I'll send you some links. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this is really good. Belinda, you're a legend. It's such a pleasure to, to um, steal some of your time and keep doing what you're doing. You're doing an amazing fight. And thank you very much. Uh, Thanks for having me. Great to chat. Talk to you soon. No drama. Take it easy. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.